In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is Hosanna Sunday, and we celebrate in it the entering of Jesus into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. We read about this in John chapter 12, when it says, Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And certainly the people who were there present at this scene, or really in so many of the different uh, things that the Lord had done and said during the three years of his ministry, would find that, that Christ is very hard to figure out. Because in one sense, he says that he is powerful and he is almighty God and he is the son of God, and, um, and, and that he enters into Jerusalem riding um, as a king. But at the same time, he is very humble in the things that he does. And he allows himself to suffer and he allows himself to be born in a manger. And so we we're going to meditate just very briefly today about some of the paradoxes of the Lord Jesus Christ and the paradoxes of God, because he is a God of paradoxes. The first paradox is that he is both a servant and a king. We read in Matthew 20, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This was his mission. His mission was as a servant, that even though he was a king, but he came to serve. He came to wash the feet. He came to sacrifice himself, and he came to be a model of service for all of us. And this uniquely sets him apart from the God of any other religion. What other religions have gods who are servants in this way, who humble themselves in this way, who allows themselves to suffer at the hand of their own creation in this way? And yet this is our Lord Jesus Christ who came as a servant, and he seeks for us also to serve one another the way that he did. But while at the same time that he is a servant, we read about him in Revelation 19, and he has on his robe and on his, th his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he is above all and greater than all and without mistaking he is the pantocrator the creator and all-powerful and yet he still comes as a servant this is a paradox for us to contemplate and understand that he is both a servant and a king another paradox about the lord is that he is both far and near at the same time in nehemiah 9 verse 6 nehemiah is praying and he's saying you alone are the lord you have made heaven the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worship you. In this very exalted way, Nehemiah describes the Lord as being the creator of the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, and he is majestic, and he is to be honored and exalted and living in heaven. And it gives us a sense that he is far and distant from us as human beings who are lowly made of dust living on the earth. But at the same time, this same God who appears to us to be far, he came near to us when we read in Matthew chapter 1, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That even though he was far, he was not content to remain far, but wanted to come near in a way that we would understand him, we would see him, we would speak to him, and that he would dwell inside of each one of us. So he became near, and even the name that he is called, it in indicates and signifies how he is with us, how he is near to us. So again, this is a second paradox, that God is both far away, and he, he, he deserves our worship, he deserves our exaltation, that we would bow down to him, and yet at the same time, when we look inside of ourselves, we can find him there. We can see him, we can speak to him, and he speaks to us. A third paradox of God is that he is both the judge and the advocate. In John chapter 9, it says, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who may see may be blind. 
So he, he declares himself to be a judge. He comes to judge the world, to judge those who are living in sin, and to judge those who are righteous. But while he is the judge, he is also the defender. He is also the advocate. He is not just the judge, but he is a judge who saves, who seeks the salvation of those whom he is judging. He says in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So if people focus on the idea that he is a judge, they might fear the Lord and they might see that no matter what we do, God is going to find something wrong with us because we are sinful and that we always do things that we shouldn't do. But if you focus on the fact that he is also the defender and he is the advocate and he is the one who seeks our salvation, then the incarnation of the Lord makes sense because the Lord has come near to us so that he can save us from our sins. Again, it is a paradox. He wants to be the judge or he is the judge. But at the same time, he does not want to judge us in, in, like harshly. He doesn't want to judge us according to our sin, but according to his mercy that he judges us. The fourth paradox is that God is both holy and merciful at the same time. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says, For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. And you would imagine that someone who has all these characteristics and when it says that he is separate from sinners, we would imagine him to be untouchable. We would have like, that, that we are defiled compared to him. How is it that he would come near to us? How is it that he would touch us? How is it that he would care about us at all? Because he would look at us and find us to be wicked, right? But at the same time, he is merciful in Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So even though the Lord is perfect and undefiled and holy and without blemish and spotless, and yet he is not shy away from us, we who are wicked, we who are in darkness, we who are made of dust, we who are nothing compared to him, and yet he approaches us, and just as he healed the leper who was sick by touching him, he comes and he touches us to heal us of our spiritual leprosy, to, sp to heal us of our spiritual paralysis. He is merciful. He wants to bring us to where he is. You know, the Pharisees, their attitude toward those people who were wicked is they wanted to just stay away from them. They didn't want anything to do with them because they said, well, we are holy and righteous, so how could we approach those who are sinners? And yet the Lord's approach was different. He, of course, understood that he was holy and righteous, and he understood those people who were sinners, but his solution was to bring the sinners to be holy. He wanted them to be holy. He found a way to make them to be holy, and this is our, uh, our path of salvation in our life, is that we experience the transformation of God to be converted from being unrighteous to being righteous through the power of the working of the Holy Spirit in us. So God, again, it's a paradox. He is holy, but at the same time, he tolerates sinners because he wants them to become holy. He, he, he allows them to approach him. The final paradox is that God is both glorious and humble. We read about him and his glory in John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is glorious. He is the created before all ages. He is eternal. He is the first. Nothing came before him, and he is due glory as all the creation came from him. And yet this one who is all glorious, it says about him in Philippians 2, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even the death of the cross. And he is humble in the way he was born. He is humble in the way that he enters riding on a donkey. He is humble in, in the way he speaks. He is humble allowing himself to suffer on the cross and to die for our sins. He is humble in all these ways while at the same time he is full of glory. And so when we look upon him, we find all these paradoxes that maybe is difficult for us to understand. When we look on him, we see extremes. We see he is a servant and a king. We see that he is far and near. We see that he is a judge and an advocate, that he is holy and yet merciful. We see that he is glorious and yet humble. And so for us to truly understand the Lord, as so many of the people that even lived in his time, and even the apostles themselves did not understand him, we call out to him, we ask him, and we say with the people who chanted Hosanna, Hosanna is a, is a, is a supplication, is a request, that the people were seeing him as being the Messiah, and they were asking him as a king to save them. They were calling out to him. That's when we say Hosanna. What does that mean? It means save us. It means have mercy on us. So we are looking at the Lord perplexed at him, that he is a king and yet coming humbly on a donkey, that he is all-powerful and yet he is being beaten, allowing himself to be beaten. And during the course of this entire week, we are, we are meditating on all of his actions, on all of his words, on all the things that have happened, on all the way that he has fulfilled prophecy. And we try to learn more about him and to draw closer to him and truly to find him inside of ourselves that he is dwelling in us and he is not far away. So may God help us to understand him and to fall in love with him as he loves us. And also, before I conclude, I just want to thank God so much because we are here in the church on Hosanna Sunday, and that last year, this church was empty. And so we thank God for allowing us to be here in the church, while there's also so many other people in other places, whether in Egypt or other places around the world, that do not have this blessing for them to come and participate during Holy Week. So what I ask all of you and all of us and me, that we would come to the church every day and that we would take this opportunity that God has opened the church for us and that we would come and meditate on him meditate on his work of salvation and grow closer to him and celebrate ultimately his divine resurrection and glory be to God forever. Amen.